0: volume one chapter eleven of the rebel rose by justin mccarthy and rosa campbell praed this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter eleven *Littera scripta lord and lady saxon lived in seymour place there was a stately forbidding-looking mansion in st james square ready for their occupancy when the old duke should be called to a better world but this was an event which for other than filial reasons lord saxon would gladly see postponed as long as possible he was not anxious to change his seat in the house of commons for one in the house of lords lord saxon before his marriage had a set of rooms in athelstane house in which matchin the duke and duchess and their unmarried daughters only lived for a few weeks in the season but though there was space and to spare for two establishments it did not suit lady saxon to be domiciled even for a few weeks under the same roof as the duchess lady saxon had an oriental taste which she had exercised in the decoration of her house in seymour place she was fond of bizarre effects and brilliant colouring and when she appeared in public liked to be seen with a retinue her private apartments which looked out upon the park were furnished after her own fancy it was her custom to receive her intimate friends here when she returned from her drive at six o'clock and to have the entree at this hour was quite a different thing from being invited to lady saxon's formal parties bellarmin had often passed through the moorish anteroom with its wonderful arabesque ceiling its fretwork carving its hanging lamps in filigree silver its huge vases and magnificent draperies and he knew the pretty little japanese waiting-maid lady saxon's latest caprice who stood outside her mistress's boudoir and looked as though she had just stepped out of the mikado she ushered him into a most strange and luxurious apartment the walls of which were hung with red and gold peacocks embroidered upon a blue satin ground where each low chair and divan was a marvel of exquisite embroidery and each cabinet Bronze and bit of lacquer work might have taken its place in the South Kensington Museum. But Lady Saxon's sanctum was not in the least like a showroom in a museum. It was very gorgeous, but the eye rested nowhere on an inharmonious spot of colouring, a piece of defective grouping, or an incongruous effect. Lady Saxon's old Tokyo and Satsuma ware was the joy and envy of connoisseurs but it did not obtrude its costliness and merely blended agreeably with the background no one would have suspected that the quaintly shaped pottery bowls which were filled with hot-house flowers or enclosed palms and tropical plants were almost unique as specimens of their period on first entering this room bellarmin had felt a sense of bewilderment so many uncanny monsters peered at him from walls and tables lady saxon had a fine taste in monstrosities sea-serpents with grotesque human heads twined the legs of the tea-table dragons guarded the fireplace demons with tails and fins climbed over the chairs or did duty as footstools strings of hideous ivory masks festooned the drapery of the mantelpiece but after a time the confusion of colouring the demons and the monsters wrought themselves into the curious fascination of the place and of its occupant lady saxon called this room her confessional and certainly it seemed a spot which might well invite confidences of a tender kind and she herself appeared a fitting priestess of such a shrine she sat in a low wide lounge propped up by gold embroidered cushions and she wore a sort of robe of some rich velvety material of a deep yellow color Which toned with her yellow hair. She looked, Bellarmine thought, like some wonderful orange-coloured lily or orchid, such as he had seen in tropical houses. There was in her whole appearance, in her glowing eyes, her slow smile, the soft undulations of her form, something rare, exotic, and enervating to the senses. She did not rise as he came in, but held out her hand to him with a welcoming look. At the sight of her, a glow suffused his being. It was a kind of intoxication. He longed to press her hand to his lips, but upon this he could not venture. Lady Saxon, in spite of her audacity, had an imperious way of dealing with her admirers and of keeping them at a respectful distance. She was always on guard, even when she seemed most open to attack. In her hand, she held a copy of the Park Lane pictorial and it was open at the portrait and biography of Mary Beaton. You see, she said, I am studying the genealogy and the claims of our heroine of last night. It's all very ridiculous. Bellarmine took a chair near her. Yes, he said with a faint hesitation, it is ridiculous. But it is picturesque, Lady Saxon went on. Your Mary Stuart is delightfully picturesque the old gentleman with the scar is picturesque too and so is the white-haired housekeeper who talks so much of the grand duchess of schwalbenstadt i think that if i were to ask the princess and her suite to one of my parties people would find them attractive this would be an odd house wouldn't it for your pretendress to make her debut in i shall ask miss beaton to dinner and i shall invite some highly respectable members of the house of commons and a detachment from the lords to come and inspect the claimant to the throne of great britain lady saxon's laugh jarred upon bellarmin he did not want to talk of mary beaton her name seemed as much out of place here as at madame spinola's the people who put that thing into the park lane pictorial have done her an injury and an injustice he said with some warmth such a flourish of trumpets is absurd she can't help being a stuart and there's the beginning and the end of it all is it then why is she here she might just as well have stayed in one finds it conceivable that miss beaton might wish to see her own country said ralph her father was an english baron but i believe there is a claim he added to a property in the north which was confiscated ah said lady saxon and it is intended that some chivalrous young member with influence in the house should bring forward a motion for inquiry and restitution is that to be your part mr bellarmin in the meantime liberal and tory politicians are to be attracted and conciliated i should say that miss beaton might have a very good chance of getting her claims recognized if she paused as though she were deliberating no no rolfe there are graver issues than that coming up there is something more important for you to do than play the part of a political paladin to a pretty ambitious girl i have neither wish nor intention to play the part of paladin lady saxon tell me of these graver issues, if we are to talk politics. Lady Saxon leaned back against her cushions and looked at him thoughtfully for a minute or two. Bellarmine sometimes wondered if her eyes actually had some magnetic quality, and if she were conscious of it and made use of it. Certainly they affected him peculiarly. Yes, we are to talk politics, she said, and first I am going to give you some tea.' there was a train near her with a silver service and a tiny crystal liqueur flask koto lady saxon called and the japanese girl appeared with some fresh tea lady saxon poured out a cup and gave it to bellarmin he did not refuse the little glass of liqueur that koto handed him i will see no one said lady saxon koto made an obeisance and disappeared and lady saxon and bellarmin were alone again lady saxon had put down the park lane pictorial and now leaned forward her hands clasped on her knee still looking intently at him have you anything to confess to-day she asked abruptly there's something on your mind come out with it his voice trembled a little and his eyes seemed unable to move themselves from hers i have something on my mind and in my heart at this very moment are you really not afraid to know what it is afraid i was never afraid of anything in my life or of anybody except myself go on i shan't flinch however dreadful it may be i shouldn't mind that i shouldn't mind if you showed some sort of feeling so long as you were not scornful and angry and didn't forbid me to come near you i'm a mortal coward if there's a risk of losing your friendship oh that would stand a shock she answered softly i think i can promise you that short of murder or high treason you won't lose my friendship if you care to keep it i like you ralph bellarmin i am proud of you i wish you success and happiness i have your career as close to my heart i am as fond of you as if if you were my brother oh he exclaimed that's it i don't want to be your brother that relation is impossible with you why are you so kind to me lady saxon why do you encourage me to say daring things because i want to inspire you to do them because i am daring and ambitious for myself and for those whom i admire now i've one virtue mr Bellerman, and that is frankness and i am going to be frank with you i can read your thoughts and i'll read them to you if you'll let me she gently furled and unfurled a fan of yellow feathers which had lain beside her and went on very deliberately you are in a state of irritation against me against circumstances against everything you are angry because we are only what we are you're distrustful of yourself and you are distrustful of me in spite of what you said a moment since you have an impulse to end everything to keep away from me and to break off in a highly virtuous and melodramatic fashion our harmless and pleasant friendship you want to have done with this brotherly and sisterly sham that's what you call it yourself you fancy yourself the good young hero from the country who falls a prey to the london peg wolfington that's how it is, Rolfe. She touched his cheek with the feathers of her fan and looked into his eyes with more of tender reproach than mirth. But, my dear boy, you are no more the virtuous hero from the country than I am Peg Wolfington. It went out of date, all that kind of sentiment, before you came into Parliament. Progressive Toryism must keep pace with the times, you know. Oh, Lady Saxon, don't be cruel to me. The young man reddened and put out his hand imploringly i am a good thought-reader then well i never pretended to be younger than i am and to be stupid and to know nothing of men and their moods to do myself justice ralph i may say that i never in my life pretended more than was absolutely necessary you shouldn't laugh at me said rather sullenly. i didn't mean to laugh at you my poor boy and i think i understand young men experience is my magic it's the only sort of magic labeled that is the genuine article mind that this brother and sister business ralph is difficult to keep up you are quite right it is a sham but my brother when one cannot have realities one must make the best of shams there was a note of plaintive regret in her voice which dropped in sighing cadence bellarmin fancied that her eyes were tearful he imprisoned the hand and the slowly swaying fan she let her hand remain in his for a few moments then gently withdrew it and shook her head sadly new purposes and plans were in her mind since she last received bellarmin in her confessional she had made her compact with victor champion i can't be your brother he exclaimed passionately my feeling towards you isn't in the least brotherly i'm quite certain of that though what i do feel about you in the very depths of my heart puzzles me a great deal more than lord bosworth's foreign policy look here lady saxon you won't mind bluntness i know i'm not fool enough to imagine that what i feel or don't feel makes any difference to you if i thought you really cared an iota i shouldn't think for an instant about what was good or bad for myself but i can't do the platonics i want to take your hand i want a thousand mad things heaven knows what i want i don't Rolf spoke in a quick boyish agitated manner looking at her straight all the time but she kept her eyes on her fan a man who wouldn't lose himself risk everything give up everything for a woman's sake is a cad the young fellow cried but when there's no question of that and the woman doesn't care and he is only certain at best of hurting himself severely and perhaps of being laughed at he broke off well she asked calmly he had better not make any pretenses to her or to himself I think you are dangerous to me, Lady Saxon, and that's the truth, complimentary or uncomplimentary, as you may take it. I will take it as complimentary, she answered, since I want to believe that you are not making pretenses, but have a real feeling for me. I have a real feeling for you. It's horribly real, and that's the worst of it. But I should not feel like that about you if you were my sister." i should be very sorry if anyone felt for my sister supposing i had one in that way being with you is like taking opium one wants more and more of it yes the thought has come into my mind more than once lately that it wouldn't be a bad thing if i were to give up altogether and run away and keep away until i am cured and then after a month or so come back and marry some charming girl with a fortune or a rich widow. She need not be too young. That would be a certain way of advancing your career. You might indulge in the luxury of political principles, then. You have an example before you. In Sir Victor Champion, he answered in her own vein, Providence might not be equally kind to me. Lady Saxon gave a little laugh. So, on your way here, you were meditating how to make your escape, you needn't let it trouble you any longer from this moment mr bellarmin you are free i release you from all vows and promises this has been your prison and i have been your jailer well give a last look round and take your liberty she glanced about the pretty fantastic room and up at the embroidered peacocks he followed her eyes then rose and stood by the mantelpiece where he seemed lost in the examination of one of the grotesque ivory faces "'You are free,' she repeated, pointing with her yellow fan as she spoke. "'Why don't you go?' "'I don't mean to take my liberty,' he answered stolidly, looking at her straight. "'Not now, not in this way. "'I'm ashamed of what I said to you.' "'Why? "'If it was true, I dare say that my influence is pernicious. "'Are you sure that you don't mean politically and not morally?' "'Perhaps.' do you take me for a delilah are you afraid of being drawn by my wiles from the straight paths of progressive toryism into crooked liberal ways oh my poor boy i am a more disinterested counsellor than any of the rest of them i don't make my living by politics he echoed her laugh but in a remorseful discomfited fashion how cruel you are i don't deserve your taunts YOU KNOW WELL THAT YOUR SYMPATHY AND COUNSEL ARE inexpressibly VALUABLE TO ME. THEN WHY GIVE THEM UP? WHY MAKE DIFFICULTIES BY SAYING THINGS YOU DON'T MEAN? HER VOICE HAD BECOME PLAINTIVE AGAIN. I AM AMBITIOUS FOR YOU, RALPH, NOT FOR THE PARTY. OH, DON'T YOU SEE? DON'T YOU KNOW? HE CRIED, STARTING TO HIS FEET. YOU MUST KNOW HOW IT IS. LADY SAXON'S MANNER CHANGED SUDDENLY in her rippling laugh there was a sound of mockery do i see do i know oh how poor our english language is one realizes that in private theatricals and the great moments of life all this peroration and the climax not arrived at yet in french it would have gushed out with all the spontaneity and naturalness in the world je and she clasped her hands dramatically on her bosom or, or do you know spanish mr bellarmin she stopped seeing his white face rising she stood before him and laid her hand on his arm looking at him with a sort of caressing command she was almost as tall as he well then he said fiercely in plain english and without peroration i think i love you i am afraid i do yes and it's not a sentiment that i am proud of lady saxon did not in the least resent his roughness my poor rolfe said she moving back slowly to her seat i'm not going to be melodramatic or to let you be melodramatic either do you think those three words haven't been said to me in most of the european languages and do you think i am any the worse wife to lord saxon on that account of course i knew that the platonic mood would not last it never does last people make up their minds to separate or they don't either way there is an end to the platonics but what then would it be such a serious thing even if you did love me i also love you josephine yes in a manner in a sort of fashion but i love some other things far better i love my ambition for you best of all this last shot of hers told upon him where is the ambitious man who does not delight to hear from the lips of a beautiful woman that his fame is dearer to her even than himself but with all his delight and the sudden revulsion from his fervid mood there came to the young man he was still very young a pang of distrust in his own capacity a dread amid all the confused pain and rapture that the woman's enthusiasm was rating him far too high dear lady saxon he said tenderly and he touched her hand as he spoke you are very good to me i'll try to talk sensibly and not to worry you about my feelings the touch and the tone had something remorseful in them the passion had gone from his voice somehow she had calmed his heated mood She had wished to turn him in another direction from that to which he was tending, and he answered obediently to the rein. "'You mustn't expect too much from me,' he went on. "'You mustn't think too much of what I can do in politics. You must not, indeed.' "'What man of your years?' she asked impatiently. "'Has made such a place for himself in the House of Commons. "'Why, you are only a boy!' yes perhaps there it is a sort of political infant phenomenon and we know what the infant phenomenon grows up to i was very young when i first got into the house and quite unknown and i had plenty of schoolboy cheek and little reverence for my seniors except one de carmel who was my hero and my ideal and i rattled away at anything and i could do the thing easily and talk nonsense fluently and i suppose i talked better than people expected and so i was set down as a rising young man but one can't always be a rising young man can one and i sometimes doubt whether i have anything better to show after these years than i had in my first session he lowered his voice and spoke those last words pathetically He had really often felt the doubt rising within him lately. "'Come,' she said, "'I think all the better of you "'for these little gleams of distrust now and again, "'these bursts of stage fright. "'They show that you have the true artistic temperament, "'but the real actor never gives way to stage fright. "'He fights against it and conquers it. "'What you want, my friend, is a field, "'and I am going to show you the field.' she paused complacently she enjoyed all this he looked at her and he too waited did any sudden sense of distrust spring up in his mind she the wife of lord saxon how did she propose to find a field for an enterprising young tory democrat was she speaking as lord saxon's wife she quickly settled that question i want you ralph to join with victor Champion. THAT IS WHAT I MEAN THAT YOU SHOULD DO. WITH VICTOR CHAMPION? BUT DON'T YOU UNDERSTAND, MY DEAR LADY SAXON, IT IS OUT OF THE QUESTION. BUT YOU DON'T KNOW, HE ADDED BLANKLY. YOU ABSURD BOY, WHY, OF COURSE I KNOW. SOMEBODY MADE OVERTURES TO YOU IN VICTOR CHAMPION'S NAME, AND YOU HAVE BEEN ARTFULLY TRYING TO KEEP IT FROM ME. OH, YES, I SAW ALL THAT YESTERDAY and it was all cloudy and you couldn't see your way that was all right that was then but now it is now that makes all the difference bellarmin involuntarily drew back i don't see that much has changed since then he said don't you i do then sir victor champion was only feeling his way now he sees it then he was only thinking of going on now he has made up his mind to go on the old wigs are done with Rolf, their day is past they sleep in ancient history like the monumental figures of the knights and their dames lying side by side with folded arms on the tombs in the ancient churches they are gone you see that at least Rolf? oh yes of course he answered impatiently every fool sees that rude young man because i see it no no it is only a saying please go on well the fossil conservatives can't do much can they your whole career goes to show that you don't believe they can do anything they can't do anything of themselves certainly but if they could be educated up to the acceptance of some modern ideas they might be made a useful party under a leader who could lead yes and where is he ah de carmel is dead yes and lord bosworth is alive my dear Ralph. no one knows better than you that the day has quite gone by when a man in the house of lords could be the real leader of a great english party could you but ask de carmel what he thought yes i suppose that is so i suppose he began to feel that lately himself in the lords bellarmin assented somewhat reluctantly i used to believe in the house of lords once because of its picturesque side i fancy radicalism is so confoundedly unpicturesque the young man got up again and stood somewhat in the attitude of a declaimer with one hand clenched upon the palm of the other curiously enough this was a gesture common with champion in debate and lady saxon knew this and noted his unconscious imitation i wish i could believe in the possibility of a great leader in the house of lords lady saxon said with a sigh and a distinct shrug of the shoulders you lady saxon why do you particularly wish that don't you see because i am an ambitious woman wildly ambitious not for myself i have got about all that a woman can well get in that way but for any man in whom i take a real interest don't be too self-conceited mr bellarmin i dare say that i should be a model wife and famous helpmate if only there were no house of lords i don't quite understand he sat down once more close to her no well i suppose not i'll tell you if lord saxon's father were not an old man if lord saxon were not doomed by fate to succeed him in that hopeless house of lords well i really believe i should turn all my energies to the task of driving on my poor heavy reluctant husband to the career of a great leader in politics you know he has some capacity rolf we all know that he has capacity some say that he has great capacity but what is the use? He must go into the House of Lords, and when he gets there he becomes a mere figurehead, if he be even so much, and he will be quite content and happy. No, I can't make anything of Saxon. I want to make something of you, and it is to be done through Sir Victor Champion. What is Champion going to do? Bellarmine asked. Great things, Ralph, to create a new party, call up a new spirit in english politics in any case your place is with him the future is with him and will be with you if only you make up your mind pull yourself together and take my advice she paused and gazed at him from under her level eyebrows he looked at her in return but did not answer i know victor champion she said steadily her voice seemed clear as a bell i discovered what was in him well never mind how long ago i am not going to tell you that i don't make up you can see that for yourself yes i appreciated him and he appreciated me if only we had had the good luck to get married then it would have been better for me now and better for him I and better for you too perhaps in one sense for you would never have been in this dangerous confessional of mine i should have been a devoted wife to him why do you tell me this just now bellarmin asked with something like annoyance in his voice he remembered tressel's hints and he wondered what tressel knew he had not come to lady saxon's confessional surely to hear her confession of tender feelings towards sir victor champion so you are jealous already my impetuous youth she replied with a kindly glance at him you are jealous of those old days long before your time where were you then i wonder eton harrow where you forget my dear friend that i saw the sun before you did and had time to get through and get over a good many likings and loves if you will put it that way before you had grown out of the hands of your nursery governess yes Rolf, my heart ought to be an extinct volcano by this time but somehow it isn't he wanted to press her a little on this subject of sir victor champion quite without premeditation he put his hand on her wrist to check her and call her attention her pulse was beating as steadily and calmly as that of a roman soldier on guard a shadow of surprise and disappointment dissatisfaction of some sort passed over his face lady saxon caught sight of it as it passed and read its meaning you think i tell you all this too coolly too composedly with the candour which our french friends would call brutal she said i don't call it anything only i don't quite know why you tell it to me he answered bitterly no to be sure you men are to have all the flirtations and all the loves you please and to go from one woman to another woman and if a woman only confesses to a man that somewhere about the time of his birth, she did rather like another man. Lo and behold, our heroic youth is angry and offended. I am not quite so young as all that, Bellarmine said almost roughly. Sir Victor Champion is not quite old enough to be my father, and you could not by any possibility pass yourself off for my mother. Are we not wandering from our subject? she asked with a smile very much i think he answered almost with a frown yes well let us go back to it you were asking me why i told you of my old devotion to sir victor champion why you told me and now quite so dear impetuous youth for this reason that you should plainly understand why i am working for sir victor champion now because he is the only man whom i loved in my youth the man i would have married if i could then such a memory is sacred to me such a past she put all the emphasis of her sweet and thrilling voice on that word past giving it a significance in bellarmin's ears which set his pulses tingling once more such a past has to me the sanctity of a dying bequest victor champion understands me as perfectly as i understand him i want to help him if i can to success because of the past i want to help you to success because of the present because i am fond of you ralph and i want you to go in and win don't you see in these closing words which spoke of him she dropped all her melodramatic style and her manner was seemingly simple and natural she put her hand in kindly tender fashion on his the young man's mind was passion-tossed the touch charmed away all his distrust for the moment he caught her fair plump hand and kissed its fingers it was not a small hand why should it be small lady saxon was a woman of what sculptors call heroic size but it was very white and soft it had perhaps too many rings on for a lover's kisses bellarmin kissed more ring than finger lady saxon smiled at him in a soft bewildering way no no we mustn't have any raptures please we are talking politics now we have done with even platonics for the present i want you to think over all that i have said i want you to allow yourself to come into victor champion's way and get to know what he really intends to do you will soon find that he is the man who really sees his way and that the next great truly great english party is to be called into existence by him i will not if i can have you left out in the cold i want you to understand him to appreciate him to work with him to be his right hand man in time to succeed him there you have my whole meaning and my whole secret is out now. She rose to her feet, hastily, in an impulse as that of a woman who has betrayed herself, has allowed herself to say what she did not intend to say. No more today, she cried out with passion in her voice, and then she stopped for a moment and seemed to control herself and smiled and spoke in a quiet tone. No more today, Ralph. We have said enough, at least I have said enough. One word he put out his hand, and she sank again on her divan, as if she would listen. Sir Victor Champion knows nothing of this? Of what? Of my talking to you in this way, about this? Yes, Lady Saxon. Ralph, how could you ask such a question? Do you think he would accept a woman's intervention in such a thing, or that I would put you in such a position? Ah! i ought not to have asked the question bellarmin said abashed you ought not no but i forgive you you don't quite quite understand me yet no i talk to you on my own account for i have set my heart on your success i want you to promise that you will think well over what i have said that isn't much for me to ask after after what you told me and if you come in champion's way well do not keep coldly out of his way now that's all good-bye ralph my brother shall i still call you my brother she took the young man's hand in her own and looked into his eyes with her own swimming eyes and almost seemed as if she would draw him towards her her voice seemed the voice of sincerity itself bellarmine's heart was deeply touched dusk was setting in and the dimness and the perfumes and the strange gorgeous colouring of the room heightened the sense of half poetical intoxication under which he felt himself languishing he spoke passionately oh he cried you do me harm i must have been mad to think it i am mad sometimes when i have been kept away from you and when you seem cold and sweet and mocking when i remember that you are lady saxon and i poor ralph bellarmin josephine to say that i am yours ready glad to be counseled by you and i know that you would never counsel me against my honest convictions is to promise everything what should i wish for more than to be led on to success by you he flung himself down on a stool before her in an adoring attitude his eyes beaming with all a young man's ardour upraised to hers she stooped over him from her greater height but even as she did so seemed to interpose her soft hand as a barrier between him and her you must go she said go at once yes i accept your devotion for your own sake for the sake of your career because you are dear to me if you will but i will not urge you against your convictions I only ask you to keep your mind open, to give yourself this chance to become the man of the future. But go now. Write to me tonight, Ralph, a letter, straight from your heart, no conventionality, from your very, very heart. She said the words very low, almost in his ear, her head near to his. Now, as she ended, she bent her face lower still, so that it seemed to him her lips actually touched his forehead actually sealed the compact with the lightest faintest suggestion of a kiss faint and light as it was the touch brought the blood to bellarmine's cheeks and a wave of passion to his heart he rose from his seat but she said to him vehemently go you must go now and almost pushed him from her so Rolf left her he passed the little Japanese girl in the anteroom and went downstairs, dreamlike, and found himself in the glaring street. That night he wrote to Lady Saxon from the House of Commons a letter in which for the first time he committed to paper and to written words a wild and passionate declaration of his gratitude to her, in which he spoke of the bond he had made and protested his lasting devotion, his love he went home in the early morning hours after a droning debate he slept uneasily and his first waking thought was of the letter. it brought him a pang of shame of dread almost of remorse it seemed to him that under the influence of an intoxication which in his saner moments he could recognize as intoxication he had signed away his liberty whether lady saxon attached any importance to the deed and this he was hardly vain enough to think or as he put it to himself to hope the fact remained the same lady saxon read the letter with delight she read it with full satisfaction she wanted to captivate champion but yet not to lose bellarmine she was never content with any flirtation which did not give her the triumph of a written declaration of love such letters were to her just the same trophies of conquest as the rings which the clever wife of the genie in the arabian nights what marvelous stupid folk these genies were used to wear and delight in in bellarmine's case there was a little more than the ordinary joy of victory josephine had a pervading idea that the letter might turn out to be useful somehow and at some time She did not exactly know when it might, in all the varying changes of the coming days, happen to be of some importance to her that she could produce a letter from such a man as Bellarmine telling her that he loved her. So she put it carefully apart from other letters, and she felt pleased, and her conscience was quite at rest. End of volume one, chapter eleven.